What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hi, and welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie. And we are so glad that you have joined us today. Every week on Say Yes to Spirit, we have a theme designed to focus us. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And today our theme is suffering. Suffering. What is suffering? Is there a need for suffering? Can saying yes to spirit end all suffering? <laughs> Let's say yes. Let's just say yes. Let's just say yes and then figure out how to talk about that for 55 minutes because we already know the answer. Okay, that's where we'll probably be going today. But before we get into that, we always like to connect the dots with our previous theme, which was the theme of Our Father from a Spiritual Perspective. And Leslie just loves <laughs> to connect the dots. And so I just turn this right on over to her. You know, uh, that is uh, sort of a, um, a traditional Christian thinking about how Jesus suffered cross suffering of Jesus comes to mind when I think of our Father when we were talking about a spiritual concept of a God up in heaven. And I always thought that was a fascinating thought that uh, this omnipotent, all-loving, all-kind God would specifically have sent his son to suffer for humanity. Uh, that, that concept of Jesus having to suffer for our sins has always been kind of fascinating. So when I think of the word suffer and I think of our Father in terms of the concept of a God in heaven, that comes to mind. Yeah. You know, I couldn't watch, what was that movie, that Mel Gibson movie about the journey of Christ? You the, couldn't watch it? No. Just the whole, even the previews of watching all the different things that happened to Jesus, those last few days in terms of suffering, physical suffering, although I always kind of in my imagined mind of where I make things make sense so that I can feel better, you know, that um, perceptionally his suffering, Jesus' suffering would be different than other people's suffering. So are we talking about suffering, or are we talking about connected dots from our Well, I just father? got our Father and God and Jesus and suffering. It all came to me. I just couldn't stop myself. Okay, well, I'm going to stop you. We're going to have a one-minute break, and then we'll be back, and we'll talk about suffering. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. So glad you joined us. Our thing for today is suffering. What is suffering? Is there a need for suffering? Can saying yes to spirit end all suffering? And in the first two minutes we said, of course, saying yes to spirit can end all suffering. Although, Leslie, in your connected dots, you actually implied some, depending on the spiritual perspective, 
um, saying yes to spirit in some faith practices and mm-hmm. some faith belief systems means that you are signing up for suffering. Uh-huh. Because the only way that you can experience life is to suffer. Right. And so I don't think it's a given that saying yes to spirit ends all suffering because there are faith belief systems that actually believe suffering is the path. Oh, yes. No, I know that. But I'm just saying for me, for me, yes. it ends suffering. Yes, yes. And it's a contrary concept to think of a a spiritual path that that's part of the you know suffering would be part of it. Suffering just seems like the the anti. If God is love, then suffering would be. But you know there are faith belief systems that don't say God is love. God is all things, mm-hmm. and God tells humanity to love. Mm. But if you believe that God is and and act well, two things. If you believe that God is the judger. Ah, of, and there is good and evil, right? And God is the judger of whether or not you have been good or evil, evil, right? And that there is a heaven and a hell location destination. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I, people who are in faith systems that have those beliefs don't say God is love. They say God is all. God is omnipotent, all powerful, powerful enough to send you to hell or send you to heaven. Powerful enough to choose. So, well, they don't it's have a, a commandment. Mm. It's a commandment to love, mm. and if you don't follow that commandment, mm-hmm. God judges you, and you go to hell. Mm-hmm. So, God is love. God is love. Is not you hear God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent, omniscient, and another O word. Yeah, that's uh, right. Why am I blinking? It's too early in the morning. Overly happy. <laughs> all powerful, oh. all knowing, all seeing. Omniscient. <laughs> now that's going to bug me because you know, when you've been <laughs> saying it for 50 years, yeah, I mean, it's and if you know it's in that. your head, that's right? We didn't say that. That's you know, it's, yeah, I know it's in Father, my Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost is pretty much all the Methodist. That's so, anyway, but all powerful, you know, has the judgment. All knowing, I see what you do, mm-hmm. you know, and I know all that there is, and so I know that it's okay, that it's appropriate to send you to hell. That's and some there are some um, fundamentalists or traditional faiths that say that God sending you to hell is out of love because, you know, like I guess an intervention. You didn't follow the commandment. You don't ever get another chance. To... You know, that, um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think there are some faith belief systems that actually would say suffering I don't know if they would say suffering is a good thing, but when you sign up to say yes to God, you are saying yes to suffering. To suffering. Because mm. that is what the human experience is about. Yeah. That you earn. <sighs> that you earn. It isn't true. Your feet mm. at the throne mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through suffering. Wow. You know, it's so, um, you you talk about this a lot, the golden thread, that there's truth, there's similar truths in all religions and all faiths, and there's, um, and so I I always kind of hold on to that, and then the idea of what they say in science and mind, all something. All paths lead to God. All paths lead to God, right? And it's the idea of the belief. It's the belief. It's not the not what the belief is, but it's the belief that gets us there. Yeah. And um wherever there is wherever there is. And I really do actually believe that, that it's in the powers in the belief. But to connect an idea that I'm meant to suffer um as a part of that bargain just seems so contrary to any kind of I'm using that word a lot to say contrary. Do you hear me say that a lot? But, um, no, but obviously today it's going to be, <laughs> the, be word the word of the day. I like it. But does it seem contrary to the idea that, that 
that there would be this need to suffer, that there would be this need to 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 somehow pay a price. And but Jesus it, it, paid a price. Jesus carried the cross. Jesus was rebuked and reviled. Jesus was misunderstood. And that is what that contrast, or that is what allowed his lesson and his example to be as powerful as it was. If everybody just said, oh, you're right, I'll do that too, it wouldn't be such a powerful <laughs> lesson. But it was the miracles and the, the light of people not having seen that before and then people being afraid of or judging his walk that makes it such a good example. Makes him such a good example. And he had to suffer there at the end, or it's not quite the same story, is it? Well, you know, from a humanity perspective, we talk about that as suffering and and all of that. And, you know, I, I think there's a theology perspective that says he didn't really suffer because because he knew that he was walking a God walk, a God in, a divinely inspired walk, and so how could it be suffering? You know, when if I'm to die, I'm to die. Let Thy will be done. And um, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. But there, in that whole process, you know, there is a scripture where it is reported that Jesus basically said, you know, yeah, Father, Take this cup. <laughs> well, yeah, Father, I, w- I, I will do this if this is what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm to do. But, you know, you want to give that a second thought? Like, do I really have to do, do I really have to die on this cross? Do I really have to be nailed to this cross? And, um, you know, but, but again, thy will be done says yes to spirit. And so if, quote-unquote, like being, bringing it to contemporary times, if things happen in my life that look like they are bad from a human perspective, this is a bad thing, this person I love died, this medical diagnosis is scary, um, I've been in an accident and I'm now physically disabled and don't know what I'm going to do. I'm in a car accident and I don't have insurance. Uh, my my house burned down or was damaged or destroyed in the tornado. I mean, you know, like we can go on and on and on, right, with things that we think are bad. And we can suffer and focus on the bad or we can be grounded in nothing ever happens that separates me from God. Right. And so I'm not saying I would label it as good, but I'd be more neutral because it's when I label it as bad that I find myself experiencing what is suffering. Oh, poor me. This is terrible. I'll never be able to recover. You know, there's one thing to be scared, and there's something else to be in suffering. What does 12-step program say? Pain is a part of why suffering is optional. I don't know if I really believe that that has to be true, that pain has to be a part of life, but I guess those, in theory, the human experience has some of that, doesn't it? In theory. But, yes. Look at your own life. Don't give me this theory. Oh, my life. Oh, my goodness. Can't do that. I think you go We only have an hour. We only have an hour. But um, the concept of, you know, suffering is in reaction. I I do agree with you with that. Suffering is the reaction. And um, how how am I going to, to react out of a place of, this is working me to my next highest good or a place of, you know, this is completely never going to be the same and I'm I'm now damaged forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And the suffering suffering did you do you have a definition for suffering, Tracy? Perhaps somehow? An actual definition? Like I'm trying to see if it sort of circles around physical pain or if it talks about emotional pain as well? Suffering is a present participle. 
What does that even mean? Of the verb to suffer. Ah. Number one, suffering. Experience, to experience or be subjected to something bad or unpleasant, to be affected by or subject to an illness or ailment. Let's see what, that's the first one that pops up. Let's see what Merriam-Webster has to say. The state or experience of one that suffers pain. So that's physical. It sounds more... Well, I don't know. I think it could be emotional. Because, of course, that's what I (laughs) I resonate with, the emotional pain, not the physical pain, the emotional suffering. And, you know, again, I think it is it is a fascinating thing. If my mind is going off into the suffering, I'm, I'm not having any window of seeing what God, where God is in that. Yeah. And, um, and then as I say that sentence, I think about, well, if I'm suffering, if I'm in a state of suffering, is God in that with me, or have I, you know, I can't get away from God. There's nothing that God is not. But somehow that experience of utter suffering is certainly, I am asleep to the presence of God. Having well, suffered. Well, so, okay, so we talk about, we've talked about on a number of shows that that there's this unlimited energy, omnipotent, omnipresent, <laughs> omniscient. Yay! Just stop thinking about it, right? There's this always present energy of of spirit of God, and there's human humanity being given free will, and that basically God says. You pick the game, and I'll play there, and that's where I'll play. You pick the game. You pick what you want out of life. You pick what direction you want to go. You pick how you want to experience whatever you go through, and I'm right there with you allowing you to go through that, even though you could make a different choice and it wouldn't have to be so hard Mm -hmm. or it wouldn't have to be so emotionally draining or it wouldn't have to be so physically demanding or wouldn't have, you know, it doesn't have to be that way mm-hmm. if if the all-knowing, all-intelligence, all-wisdom, all-love of God were completely running the show. Mm-hmm. But God's way of running the show is to say, you have free will as a human being. Here's some guidelines for life and then cause and effect. What you choose has consequences or effects. And I'm not going to get in the way of that. You can choose my way. It's probably going to work for you. You can choose something other than my way, and I'm not going to stop you. I'm right here, right here. All you got to do is turn right instead of left. But if you turn left, I'm traveling with you because I know you might decide to turn or do a U-turn any moment, and I'm right there. See, that seems to me that it's like a... Like, oh. I'm trying to visualize this in my head, how I perceive that spirit is always moving in the direction of good and that that spirit is within me. And so there's something in me moving towards the direction of good. Always. Always. And so I may have to become an alcoholic and hit rock bottom, but I'm moving. The drinking is... Is moving me toward my good. It's just that I've got to hit this point before I can see it or choose it. So, so the experience of the of hitting rock bottom is the thing that that wakes me up. Maybe inspires me to make a choice that I wasn't making. But truly, I might not ever have made that choice if I didn't hit rock bottom. And the whole time I'm making the choices to drink and to drink more and to drink even more or to to think I'm resolving my problems by having another drink, spirit is not 
over on the other side of town waiting for me to hit rock bottom and come running onto that side of town. Spirit is right there with me, available to me, always present, observing my choice and saying, that's what you choose. You have the right to choose. And see, I'm getting stuck on, for some reason, this idea of choice instead of simply presence of I am. And I think that's where I get stuck a lot. Can you imagine me getting stuck a lot? Yes, because you said before that you want to believe that the energy (laughs) that we call God. I don't like how that sentence starts. I want to believe. Well, no, this is what Uh you said. Oh, okay, good. I can't wait to hear. What have I said? That you want to believe that Uh God cares about little Leslie and is always saying, no, Leslie, don't make that choice. This would be so much better for you. Make this choice. This is what I really want for you. And and what spirit wants is for you to make a choice and it will play with you. And there are guidelines about, you know, here's some things you could do because that could make it easier, smoother, and whatever choice you make, I love you. Yes, I have said that in terms of feeling when I get kind of wanting that comfort of that. Yeah. But but this is something in terms of thinking about how I can get caught up in believing it's my choice to choose God or to not choose God. Mm -hmm. And what I really think I ultimately really believe and I think, it, and I think I get caught, so caught up in this idea that I have to make a choice moment to moment. Am I going to choose God? Am I going to choose love? But I really think it's more of: Am I being? Am I just going to be? And if I just be, then I would be the I am that I am. And that I get caught up in thinking I have to constantly be choosing God, and I'm, you know, listening for, versus just laying down and being. I like that because for me, the way that I think about that is if I choose to be the... There you go, but you're choosing still. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll flip those. If I am being right in right. every moment, right, everything I do is, is being, but it's a choice because I could be something else. But so I, I'm being the presence of, I'm being the physical expression of God. That's who I am. But if I, it, I, I it's an interesting thing. And thought. I've made a commitment to that's how I will be in the world. And it becomes my second nature. Right. That, I guess that's the idea. At some point, if my spirituality matures, I don't even know if that's the right way of putting it, but if I get to that point that it, 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 it no longer is a choice. It's like it just is. And isn't that the, the idea that everything else kind of goes on the shelf? It's not even, it's not even there. And it's so funny because I always talk about this and I think I've lived backwards because I can remember times in my past where that was certainly present. And I think, you know, trying to work towards that again, but um, feeling like, because I think even I think some of my current spiritual teachings in the science of mind has pulled me more into that quagmire of choice of my thought plants the seed that then grows the tomato or the apple or the you know and it's just I can put a lot of pressure on myself. Why would you have- choose that? <laughs> Well, because I'm being fed this, you know, watch your thoughts, they become words, watch your words, they become da blah 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 you know, so so it's this hypervigilance of choice, 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 what about you know, versus just be. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It is it's a it's an interesting pondering. Don't you think? Not so much. <laughs> no, actually, I do think so. And I I just have a different perspective that I don't 
like I think that both perspectives are right. I, so I think that if I am being, if I am being the spiritual, the spiritually mature person showing up in the world, and that is how I am, that it's okay. Here's what just went through my mind. So we drive cars, we drive everywhere we go, we're in our cars a lot, both of us. And so when I'm driving, I don't, I am choosing, I see a red light, I am choosing to put my foot, move my foot and put it on the brake and press down on the brake at whatever level of pressure I need to stop before I get to that light or before the car, right? So, but I don't think about it as I'm making a choice. It just, I'm being, I'm driving. But the reason it doesn't feel like I'm making a choice is because I consciously chose it so many times that it is the way I drive. It is the way that I live. And But in reality, my brain has been trained to make the choice without asking me because it has asked me or I have programmed it so much that my brain is making the choice without me having to choose. I wouldn't think of doing anything other than putting my foot on the brake and pressing down on the brake. But it is an action that my my body only knows how to do action from the direction of the brain. So that's how it feels to me from a spiritual level as well, that I made the choice so often to be the presence of spirit in situations like this, in conversations, in prayer, that just when I am just being it, but there is a choice happening. It's Mm. just a choice that is happening at the subconscious level, Mm. which is what's happening in our life all the time. So it happens the other way as well. If I choose drama and if I choose to be mean and catty and gossip, and that's my choice over and over and over, then I was on the phone with someone uh, earlier this week and, and they said something like, this is a paraphrase, but something like, um, okay, so we've done all this spiritual stuff, but can we just stop and do some gossip for a minute, you know? Right. And it's like that was a kind it's of... kind of making it, the train is going on this track now, right? Right, but it also reflected that, you know, it's like we keep making this choice, this choice, this choice to do the, you know, but I want to go back to my old comfortable default. Mm-hmm. There'll be a point where that that even won't happen because that old default won't even be in the synapses anymore, right? And then it doesn't feel like a choice. But but in the context of choice, it is a choice because I could choose something else. I could do it different. I could do it differently. But my beingness reflects my choice after choice after choice until it becomes my default. So the choice is the method, the means by which the end result occurs. Unless we're Eckhart Tolle. I just have to say that. So, yeah, I get the idea. So so that's why, actually, I don't have an argument because I think you're right. If you're being, it doesn't feel like you're making a choice. Mm -hmm. And what happens for me is that I go, for me, it's like, yeah, but if I'm being that, it's reflecting my choice because I've now made that my default, that my brain and my subconscious, every part of me knows, well, this is what's, this is Tracy's choice. We don't have to ask her. But it feels like I'm not doing anything. So the, so the, the automaticness of it takes away the idea, because there's no should I, I shouldn't I. Which, which one should I do? Yeah, so that's why I don't really have any argument with you about it. Because <laughs> goodness, let's write that down. It's so oh, I never you have no I, argument I with in, me. In five years, <laughs> I probably had two arguments with your point of view. Oh, that's so funny. Suffering 
in terms of um, the idea of choice, if I if I would, would anyone choose? No one would choose to suffer. Would they? I guess victims yeah. would choose to suffer. And it was an interesting thing. I had do work at South County Women's Jail. There we go. Say that out loud. And there was a woman that um, was talking about her relationships and the patterns and how kind of continued on some situations she'd had growing up. And there was there comes a point in you know, at some point as an adult, what am I getting out of this quote unquote suffering or what am I getting out of this negative thing that's happening? Right. And um it is fascinating to watch the idea of it's always something outside of me mm-hmm. and if and then I don't have any kind of nucleus of um ability to change, mm-hmm. I guess. And so if my Suffering, it kind of feeds certainly itself in terms of feeling overwhelmed or underprepared or more, um, something more than I can do or more than I can handle kind of thing, the idea of suffering. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you ask the question, what is suffering or is there a need for suffering, that happened. It just—it seems to be a very human construct. Is that the right word? Use of that word. Using all really high, like seventy-five cent words. Contrary construct. But um, it seems to be a human kind of thing. Suffering. I don't get that in the spirit, in the being of life, that there would be suffering. That that wouldn't exist. So in the Abrahamic traditions of uh, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, you know, you go through that that the whole you know process, and if you go backwards, and then you go to the Garden of Eden, the idea that eating from the tree of knowledge, taking from the tree of knowledge that that automatically means now you know there is more than just good. There is good and there is evil. And so as a human being, because you ate from the tree of knowledge, you must know knowledge of the suffering. Adam and Eve, you will now leave the Garden of Eden of perfection, and you will know suffering. You will know the pain of life, you will know the hardship, and you earn your way back into wholeness by following the knowledge of good. You follow, you know, what you know, so uh, or what you know is possible, but you will be exposed to all the things that are evil so that you have to choose. So, again, I think there's so many faith practices that embed this idea of there's a need for suffering because through suffering you find your path back back to the Garden of Eden, back to wholeness, back to goodness. And we don't believe that there's an intention or a need for suffering, but I think there are plenty of religions that do. And it's interesting, as you were talking about, you know, the kind of earlier about the bottom of an alcoholic, I um, was doing some work this week with a family uh, where the young, well, she's not that young anymore, 20-year-old daughter had recently um, told them that she was using drugs, and so they were coming together as a family of sister had flown in from Denver, brother had driven in from far away, and then mom and the dad, and so we were having kind of a little psychoeducational, here's the addiction process kind of time for people, for them to kind of understand it, and back in the day, we used to draw that upside down bell curve, where you, you know, it starts up here and it goes down all the way to the bottom, and it goes back up in recovery, and it talks about you know casual use and then the idea of getting into abuse and then somehow we cross the line of addiction and then we go to the bottom of the curve there at the bottom and you know you lose your job or you lose your family or you lose your money and um, 
I said I was around back in the day when it was like the um, early 90s when they started doing a lot of interventions. Interventions were new. Mm-hmm. Now we have TV shows. But they were really new, and it was this concept that you could, because we used to think that you, the alcoholic had to go all the way down, have this suffering, have these horrible things happen before they could come back up on the other side and be saved and be in recovery. So and then the, somebody, probably for money, I'm sure, thought of, you know, well, we could probably cut this off. You know, we can start here when they start going down the uh, the abuse side, you know, bring in all the family, bring in all of the friends and say, hey, we care about you, and let's send you to treatment. And that's where I was sarcastically coming with the money, but and, and get you across, and we would draw a line across so that you didn't have to go all the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And And as I take the 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 concept of the of the therapy and the money out of that it's curious to me that the 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 idea of having people in our lives surround us and hold a mirror up and say i love you and this is what i see and i'm going to sit here while you see this maybe for the first time and we're going to have this this authentic connection, and because of that intervention, because of that love, because of that experience, I'm going to be the line across the upside-down belt. I'm going to, I can literally facilitate not having to have you suffer because I love you. I can I can cut that. I can be the bridge, yes. or we as a group can, right. are the bridge that stops you from... If you if you choose to walk across this you bridge, choose again. Yeah, right, right, right. Then yeah. you don't have to go into the bottom mm-hmm. of the reverse bell curve. If you refuse to walk across mm-hmm. the bridge that we are providing as a family, as your as people who love you, then yeah, you you're going to continue to go downward. Mm-hmm. Downward spiral, and and you know there are people who are at the bottom and are at the bottom for decades, mm-hmm. and and some who never actually come back up on the recovery side. Oh, absolutely. Sure. And I think we do that in our lives as well. So it doesn't have to be. I, I think we can be as we can be addicted to suffering. We can be addicted to victimhood. We can be right. addicted to looking for the bad. And choosing suffering, even though we don't think it, especially if we're in victim mode, it's what everybody else did to us. We didn't choose it. Right. And, and we don't believe there's anything that, I, you know, we as an individual can do about it. When actually the only way you can get out of suffering is to have a different perspective and make different choices. Or just be. <laughs> Otherwise, so we that you be. can get to the point where you can be. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, that's the sticky wicket, isn't it? So that we can get to the point. That always puts that being out there somewhere after I've okay, made 5,433 right choices. Well, so we can use your idol <laughs> as an example. <laughs> I can just Eckhart Tolle. He just be be right <laughs> he was now. Just bead right now, right now. Right. But what happened before his? Yes, he was suicidal and very suffering. He was full of suffering, and he suffered for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was not like it just happened over a week or a month. Right. He suffered for a long time. He was at the end of his rope. He was at what was for him was his rock bottom, and then. The answer came clearly, and he's never turned back. He has stayed in that choice, which has become his way of being. And wasn't the answer, as I understand his story, was that when he was about to kill himself, there was some other thing that came in, and so it gave him some perspective that there was something else within him. That there wasn't just this suffering, this yeah, man. That he, the question that he had was, um, he couldn't have that question if there wasn't something else. If there wasn't something else, right. 
So it was the something else, the awareness of the something else that triggered the automatic being. Yeah, you could say it that way. <laughs> I would say it that way. Because that question made him choose not to kill himself <laughs> and to choose to live in this new perspective. So then I see it as a choice. And he had It was a an awareness. It was an awareness. And once there was the awareness, when I'm in the awareness, yes. I'm not choosing. I'm not choosing. I'm on automatic pilot. I'm on destination known. I'm in the flow. Nothing. I'm not making a choice. It's not a conscious thing. No? <laughs> How can I say no? It's what you, it's the way you yeah. see it, express it, think it. Sweet. Poor Leslie, she says under her. Um, so no, I, I mean, I totally follow that track. Uh-huh. I don't totally agree with it, but I follow it. It makes complete sense, and it's just I I see it differently. I, I see it as, for Eckhart Tolle, he decided, I'm not going to kill myself. Here is the answer. I'm going to live this way. And he lives that way. And, yes, it is... You know, it's our Neil Donald Walsh when he was, you know, feeling at the end of his rope and he's screaming and yelling at God, and then he starts getting kind of this download in his head, and he writes it all out and writes the book, which, you know, the 20 books now. <laughs> in writing, he wasn't saying, I will or will not write, although I think initially he probably was. It's like, I don't even know. You you realize you're writing and you don't even know what you're writing and then you read it. By the time he finished writing and reading, what the information, this awareness was a part of who he was Uh and he could live it. Uh And I think to some degree, you know, we didn't see Eckhart Tolle until after he had written it all out. All of that was the process of capturing and understanding and choosing, yes, this is what I want. Yes, this is what I want. And then he lives in the awareness. And I I don't know him, but I imagine that, you know, like, um, you know, G. Singh met him at an airport, Brother G. Singh, um, and now who are we talking about? We're talking about my at, boy Eckhart. Don't you be saying I see you laugh. Met him in an Who tells you? I think you said something disparaging about my boy. Are you going to say something now about him? I've never said anything disparaging <laughs> about him. So she seen met him in an airport, and, and he was gracious and lovely and all of that. And it just makes me remember that he is an everyday person, too. Yes. So when he is... Uh, you know, when a stranger walks up to him in an airport, I agree with you that now mm-hmm. he it, it's it's likely that he doesn't in his mind go to who is the stranger and what do they want and are could they hurt me? I I, I agree. I, unless they were coming at him, you know, with a knife or whatever, or a gun, mm-hmm. that he would not have those thoughts. But that's because now he has lived, you know, in such a way that how could that happen? It'd be almost like it wouldn't feel, he wouldn't be making a conscious choice. But I don't, you know, we never met him until after he had already written a book and he'd already been living the Mm -hmm. principles for a while before he got famous. I don't think in the moment he had the awareness, he knew what it was, but he wasn't living in it. 24-7. 24-7. He was choosing it to, until it was like his normal way of being. His norm. See, that's fascinating. I would, let's, let's, you know what? Should we, should we call him? Yes. <laughs> I think we should call or email him and track him down and say, we are the co-hosts of a show called Say Yes to Spirit. We talk about you a lot. All the and we have three questions we want to ask you. 
Would you come on our show? You know, initially, I do know enough about his story. After he had the initial awareness or whatever you want to call it, he became homeless and lived in a park for a while. And he was considered crazy by all of his friends because he kind of had that Buddha experience of he couldn't, you know, he couldn't um, download all of the the light. It was so much that he just kind of had to flip from the human experience completely for a period of time. Which, um, which, which... Though I I'm just keep coming back to this idea, this pondering of choice, and if it's, you know, I'm trying to think of another 50-cent word, but if it's just a construct of the human experience that we make this up to then say that we have to have suffering, because by definition, if I have a choice, then I can, one of my choices could lead to suffering. I mean, that's by definition, one one higher good, even if they're both good, let's say, you know, one's really, really good and one's only sort of good. You know, there's a there's a there's a disparaging outcome there. There's a possibility of not having the the utopia experience in the here and now. But all of life is the utopia experience. If I'm being and I think the being all it doesn't like it in that the human Whatever the investment to, to to focus on the human creates these formulas there and these religions. There is nothing that can happen outside of the circle of God. It is all <laughs> a part of utopia. But but we have these <laughs> these creations of religion and re- creation of methods and creation of ways to paths. You know we've we've created paths. The 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 that that whole sentence all paths lead to God in and of itself gives the impression that there's a path and that I have to do something and that I have to therefore, you know, make conscious choices along this path. If God can create 7 billion individual, individualized expressions of life called people and an uncountable number of billions of other forms of life, animals, plants, flowers, ideas, thoughts, then it is only it's only logical that there could be seven billion ways to be connected. So the oh, idea so. that all all paths lead to God for me is not so much a I'm an individual going out in this direction, but a an image of God, the energy of God, the expression of God being in the center, and that everything is coming, always coming back toward that. And that energy in the seven billion is the exact same energy. Mm-hmm. It's all a part of that right, energy. Right, right, it's right. It's the well, same the drop butter. in the ocean. Right. It's the, that God is the center of everything and the circumference of everything and the center of everything. There is no circumference that is bigger than, so there's nothing outside of it. But but the concept that this, what are the three O's, that that entity that has those three O's that I can't pronounce, but I'm so proud that you remembered them, um, that that, that the, how we've created, humans have created, the experience of life seems to be the brain, the human brain, seems to have created something quite contrary. There's that. So glad I got that in one more time. To this seed that's within us, that we could just be. And if we all just bead, there you go, I've made up a word and I'm proud of it. If we all just bead, then we would. It would it would be like a little kind of a but then we would sonic be, wave of but then we would not be having the human experience and so the brain cannot create anything that was not already intuited or created by God itself and so in in God creating humanity creating the human experience. I mean, we can't make up anything that is not within the circle of God, that is outside of the mind of God, right? So, uh, uh, yes. so you you have you shared this I amazing, can... very cute video of a cat and a dog, 
Right. Oh. Mm. And we have a friend, Veronica, who often shares this amazing photograph of mm-hmm. plants. Mm-hmm. Okay, so God created the idea that a plant, you know, as you said earlier, you plant that seed, mm-hmm. and that is the plant that comes up. Right. And you expect cats to act a certain way and dogs to act a certain way. And they don't have, like, dog, your dog, you don't have a dog, but dogs, you know, are the expression of unconditional love. No matter what you do, oh, I need when it. they see you, right, they it? show up, they're happy to see you, they're loving on you, you kick them, they... You're going to say that cats aren't that? Oh, no. Oh, golly. Cats are are very different expression, perfect expression <laughs> of spirit. And so it's, you know, it's human or, you know, that the brain has created something. No, the brain has created what God created it to create, that the human experience is an experience where you have free will and you have choice and there's, well, there's cause and effect no matter what species or what. Um, type of creation you are. You have the laws that affect that. So I, I don't think that's a human com- idea. That I don't think the idea that human beings have created this complicated problem world outside of God. I didn't say it was outside of God necessarily. I'm just saying it's not. It's it's created by something other than God. God is not. Created by something other than God. Did you actually that? say that? Yeah, I did. Actually. Did you hear yourself yeah, I say did. That? I did. I hear myself say it. I'm thinking about it. I might really believe it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> that that is created by something that's so asleep to God. That's not uh, that 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 the human experience of suffering and the need for suffering. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think that God, I don't think that's that's part of the deal for God. I don't think that was part of the original thought. The Eve, the Adam and Eve, if you go back to that con idea. Oh, she's just speechless now. I've just, I've said this, this she's blasphemy of all tongue. things. Oh, no, blasphemy she's, of all no, things. No, not blasphemy, she's just holding <laughs> her tongue, realizing that there's only about six minutes left in the show <laughs> today and deciding... Oh, is there anything else that we need to talk about um, related to suffering? Like, so how does saying yes to spirit end all suffering? Then I'm just being. I'm bead. <laughs> but, and, and now see how off the rails I am today. The whole idea of saying yes to spirit implies choice. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm really on the idea today that there's just, I don't have to be in choice. I can just be. So here's what Ernest Holmes had to say Ah. in Science Mind. The world has learned all it can through suffering. The world is beginning to realize that it has learned all it can through suffering and pain. Perhaps they, suffering and pain, were good in their place. But surely there can be no power in the universe which wishes man to be sick, to suffer pain, to be unhappy, and end up in the grave. Surely God could not ordain that man should ultimately be other than a perfect expression of life. We should have no intellectual difficulty in realizing that even God itself could not make an automatic individuality, and this explains why man must suffer on the road to self-discovery. Man must suffer, not because pain is a necessity, but because he must have experience in order to become individualized. He kind of contradicted himself, didn't he? From the beginning of what he was saying to the back, to the end. Isn't life a paradox? <laughs> I was with him the first half there, and I think he was saying <laughs> suffering is outside of the divine design. That that's not the divine design. But then at the end there, it seems he was saying you got to suffer to get back around. Well, not to get to God, but to get to an individualized expression of God. That your individualized expression of life comes from the situations that you have been in. Otherwise, you are simply God being God, 
and not God being Leslie. And so the individual path of that you travel in your life it includes is basically just the road to self discovery. Who am I in this incarnation and what is my lesson to learn, what is my lesson to teach others, what is my gift to share in the world happens through our experiences. And so that is the process of discovering our best and highest self, not our not just our oneness with God, but our one individual unique way of expressing God. Otherwise each one of us is not necessary. If we're just all expressing God in the same way, then we only see one aspect of God. Instead of seventy billion. Seven billion, yes. Seven billion? Is that seven billion? Hmm. So uh, that's what I'm going to say about suffering. Doesn't he seem to contract? He seems that to the goal of suffering is not that, you know, we've learned what we can from suffering, but what we really should be learning is about, what we are really supposed to be learning is how to self-express, how to individually express the perfection of God. And that requires us to experience a lot of different things. And so to some degree, I actually do do I interpret that as, you know, what we said earlier, that it's not so much the suffering as the focus. And, and as you said with the 12-step um, saying of we all are faced at times in our life with pain but we don't have to choose to translate that into suffering. So I could be homeless for a year, and I'm not necessarily suffering. I'm experiencing homelessness, but I don't have to be a victim. I'm moving towards something else, and I'm getting what I can get from that experience. It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting concept, suffering, isn't it? Suffering. And yeah, and, and three people could be experiencing the same thing. Yes, and only one well, of them might say they they are suffering. Right, right. So that's the other piece. What looks like suffering to me, if I imagine, if I had to deal with that, right, I would be suffering through it. And the person who's actually experiencing it could be just like, okay, this is this is hard. This is challenging, and it's part of my life and I know who I am. This is not going to harm my spirit and my connection to spirit in any way. And could walk through it, you know, in a way that is very much showing their beingness mm. versus their victimness. And maybe that's the idea where we're in one or the other. That would get us back to a choice, wouldn't it? Is that what you're thinking, Trace? I wasn't thinking that, but <laughs> apparently you were. I just am I'm stuck on that idea of choice versus being. Yes, you are. I am. I am. Where is the topic I'm in not that? Attached to it. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. They're Maybe kind of the, the choices seem like work. Maybe that's what I'm trying to avoid. Oh. That's what I'm trying to avoid, right? The W is a four-letter word. Work. Yeah, you don't like that word work. Just let me be, and then I can just be. Very cool. Well, I think that's about all we can say about suffering um, today without going another 30 minutes, like opening up something that would take us another (laughs) 30 minutes. So um, I want to encourage everyone to, you know, go to the show page and just scroll down and look at shows we've had in the past and pick one, a topic that grabs your attention or your heart. We'd love to we'd love to help you think about um, different topics in the context of what does it mean to say yes to spirit. Any closing comments? <laughs> that's it. See now, see now. Now I'm thinking saying yes to spirit is a choice. So yeah, that's it. My mind is fixated. So we'll see where I go this week, maybe, on that idea. All right. Well, we'll be back soon, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, say yes Yes to to spirit. spirit.